Robinson and the Miracles. Bet you didn't think you were going to get that here this morning, did you? Man, oh man, oh man. 1965, smooth music. I was nine years old and could care less. Ah, uh, but I grew up and I got to be a teenager. And you know, you get to be a teenager and you have your crushes and your heart throbs and all of a sudden the tracks of my tears brings on new meaning, don't it? Yeah, and you know, a lot of people like that. An awful lot of people like that song. Linda Ronstadt recorded it a little bit later on. Aretha Franklin, Aretha Franklin recorded it. I didn't even look that up because I can't imagine her voice hooked up with this song. Adam Lambert, for you uh, American Idol fans, Adam Lambert sang this song. And in 2014, who is that? Brian Adams recorded a cover of... of tracks of my tears it is rated by rolling stone magazine as the 50th greatest song of all time wow why is it so good why did it happen well because it resonates with us and it resonates with most everybody because most everybody has been there and done that I guess that 99% of us at some point in our life have had that somebody special that we broke up with them and we really wish, even though maybe we're sort of glad they're gone, we sort of wish we had them back at the same time. Even when we knew that our relationship with them wasn't necessarily a match made in heaven, still when you see them walking down the street with that other guy, you know, how did he put that? Um... When I see them with somebody else, it pierces my heart to the core, thinking about what I had, you know, what I've given up, what might have been. Yeah. But what has that got to do with the sermon? We'll talk about that at the end. We got some ways to go to get there yet. Smokey Robinson, when y'all go home today, you can post on Facebook. Smokey Robinson was at our church this morning. 
Romans 6 is the scripture. Romans 6, chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Heavy stuff. Barry did tell me that the quartet next time would have those moves when they were singing. Can't wait to see Richard Robinson doing that. <laughs> or Matt McCarty. <laughs> what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Paul starts out by saying, what shall we say then? That was a, a sort of a catchphrase for Paul. Whenever he said, what shall we say then? Paul was letting his audience know that what he was talking about was controversial, that he certainly understood that it was controversial, and now I'm going to address it a little bit more. So he says, what shall we say then? What he's been saying up to this point is this. If you keep living by the law, you're going to keep sinning more and more. And because of Christ, you're not required to live according to the law anymore. Christ was the fulfillment of the law. And people heard this back then, and people hear this now, and they think that when you talk about grace, that what you're talking about is that people can do anything that they want to do, any place, anytime, anyhow, with anybody. Grace is an opportunity to live a libertine life. I can do whatever I want to do. It doesn't matter one little bit to God. God doesn't care. He's a forgiving God. He's a God of second, third, fourth, 500th chances. Doesn't matter to him. Shouldn't matter to you. I've been forgiven. I'm not bound by the law. I can do whatever I want to do. I can live any way I want to live. And that's the way we think sometimes. And Paul's addressing that whole idea here. Paul says, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Now let's look at sin. Let's look at sin. What, what does it mean? What is he talking about? Sin. We have an idea of sin, and I think it's a very low idea that we have. We have this idea that, that it's, the little things, <clears throat> it's the little things that we do every day that we know that we're not supposed to do. That's why it's so easy to stand up and preach about things like drinking and cussing and doing drugs and sex outside of marriages. These, these are activities that we see as sin. We look at those things as sin. We don't see a connection behind them. We don't see the deeper meaning. They're all individual, isolated events, things that we do. 
I worry sometimes some of the things I share with y'all, but at the same time, I know it's very common. I'm afraid that some of you are going to be shocked, and if you are, I'm terribly, terribly sorry. All I can tell you is get over it because I know you did it too. I learned to cuss when I was nine years old. Yep, I did. Learned to cuss when I was nine years old. My best friend came down one day, and he had picked up three words, and he wanted to teach them to me. And I learned them. And as I learned those, those three words that, uh, that, that he was sharing with me, I knew because of the way I'd been raised that this wasn't something that I was supposed to be saying or doing and that God really wouldn't like this very much. So what we did was this, and it took care of everything. Whenever we would accidentally say one of those words, wink, wink, Whenever we would accidentally say one of those words, we'd look at each other and have a little smile on our face, you know, just a little hint of a smile that says, yeah, you're not supposed to do that. It felt good to be bad, didn't it? But it's not right. And we'd look at each other and we'd go, I'm sorry, Lord. And that took care of it. And we were fine. And that's sort of the way we think. We carry that thinking over from our childhood into our adulthood that we can do these things. And he's such a forgiving God that we can just go, I'm sorry, Lord. And it's all taken care of. We think like we did as children. We see sin as those things that we do, those rules that we break, God's rules that we're sure he doesn't approve of us breaking those rules, but he's a big God and he's full of grace. With some small degree of guilt on my part, I can turn to him and say, Lord, I'm sorry I did that. And he goes, not a problem. Glad that you don't feel good about it. We're all, everything's cool. Let's move on. But Paul uses a phrase here, continue in sin. And that doesn't line up with the way that we tend to think. Continue to sin means persist in sin. It means that we are stubbornly determined to sin. Do you know anybody that's stubbornly determined to sin? To be stubbornly determined to sin, to be stubbornly determined to sin means that we have made up our minds how we are going to live. And if it lines up with a way that God wants us to live, then that's just Jim Dandy great. But if it doesn't exactly line up with the way God wants us to live, if we're a little off the trail, that's okay too because God will get over it. This is how I'm going to live. This is how I've chosen to live my life. And this is the way it's going to be. I can do these things. I live under grace. The things that we want to call sin are really symptoms See, the sin is, is what is deep down. It makes us live our lives the way that we live our life without any concern for the godliness or maybe a little bit of concern, but not enough to make us change our behavior. And we're really not concerned because we really enjoy the way that we live, right? That's stubbornly determined to sin. And here you have Paul saying that the more you try to live by the rules, the more you're going to sin. And the more the sin there is, the more of God's grace that's going to abound. So it says like what he's saying to us is, is you do what you want to do with no regard to godliness at all so that God's grace will be displayed and seen more and more and more. 
Don't be too concerned about the things you're doing. God's got you. It's all good. And then you get to verse 2, and Paul opens verse 2 by saying these words. Are you crazy? It's one of the few things that I learned in my Greek class. This word, I may have mentioned it before, meganoito. I hang on to that that just sticks in my mind because it is such a strong phrase. It's translated here by no means, but it really has a lot of more force than just by no means. It really is me looking at you going, are you crazy? Have you lost your mind? Is that what you really think? Absolutely not. No, that's not the way I'm talking about living. Paul drops the bomb and says, how can we who died to sin still live in it. And Paul's whole point here is to say that our focus has changed, the way we're living our life, our focus has changed from following the rules to gazing on the face of Christ. That's where we're at. We are dead to sin. This doesn't matter. I want to see Christ. I want to be like Christ. I want to do what Christ wants me to do. If we're truly in love with Christ, there is no way that we can continue in sin. There is no way that we can stubbornly be determined to sin because we are dead to sin. What in the world does that mean to be dead to sin? To Paul, being dead to, being dead to sin means that sin has lost its power over me. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to do some ungodly things. We know better than that. Paul's the one that wrote the very things I want to do, I don't do, and the very things I don't want to do, I do. We know that, but it's one thing to do things on occasion that are not godly, and it's a totally different thing to live your life with a disregard for God's nature, to live your life indifferent to God. Someone who's a Christ follower, who has experienced the grace of Almighty God, they can't do that. You cannot... If you are in love with Christ, you cannot live indifferent to Christ. If you're in love with anybody, you can't live a life indifferent to them. If you say that you love somebody and yet you pay no attention to them and you don't care what they say or how they act or what they do, you're not in love with them. I'm sorry. That's not the way this thing works. Now, question. Do you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Now work with me here. We've got the Adam and Eve thing going on here, okay? We all believe that life had a starting point, right? We all believe that Adam and Eve, God created Adam and Eve. He put them in a, in a world that was a perfect world. He created humanity. He created to, to work a certain way, a certain method of operation. We all believe that Adam and Eve disobeyed God and as a result horrible things gained entry into this world and we all believe that ever since that day people have invented more and more heinous ways to distort and destroy God's creation. The biggest problem was people lost sight of God in all of this and all of this that's going on so God gave the law said this is how you should live because this is how I live. This is who I am. Pattern your behavior after me. But the more we tried to do it, the worse we were at it. He knew that's why he put the sacrificial system into place. He knew we couldn't do that. And then Jesus came. And we know the drill. 
his perfect life, his substitution on the cross, him for me, his death and resurrection. So we are dead to sin. Now here's the dead thing. Dead to sin, it's phrase, right? Words, dead to sin. I want to ask you a question. I'm serious when I ask it too. It's a stupid question, but I'm asking it. How does a dead person behave? How does a dead person behave? Well, they just lay there, don't they? Pretty much it. They don't do much anything. They just lay there. Once a person has passed from this life, can they sin again? Well, not really, because they just lay there. It's what dead people do. Stick with me here. Let's suppose, just for the sake of argument, that somebody died that was a really, really greedy guy. And everybody knows he was a greedy guy, that all his life was about was money. That he was the kind of guy that could walk down the street, everything he touched turned to gold. He could look at something and say, I could make $10,000 off of that. He didn't need it. Nothing in his life needed that kind of money. He was filthy rich, and yet he would do it anyway, sell his soul to get that money. People knew when he died that money ruled his life. Now he's dead. And you walk up to his casket with him laying there and you say to him, I have this great business venture that is guaranteed, guaranteed to double your investment money. And you tell it to him, what's he going to do? He's just going to lay there. Let's make it even more absurd. I get a winning lottery ticket. I know it's the million dollar ticket. Scratch off. Mm -hmm. And I know it is. And I walk up to his casket where he's laying and I look at him and I say, I've got you a million dollar scratch off ticket here. Million dollars worth of money right here. All you got to do, Bubba, is scratch this thing off and you got yourself a million dollars. And I lay it on his chest and stand back. If he scratches off the ticket, you're going to have to turn out the lights because I ain't hanging around. Dead people don't do things they just lie there here's the point when Christ died the power of sin to tempt Jesus he was tempted in every way just like us right y'all remember all this stuff the power of sin to tempt Jesus was gone and as we are joined with him in his death when we profess Jesus as our Savior, I trust him to do all that he says he's going to do in my life, then he will make me a new creation. I am joined with him in his death. That says that sin doesn't have that power over me anymore either. It means that I'm not required to sin. It means that when I'm presented with my worst temptation, I am not powerless against it. It just made me do it. No, we are dead to that. We have power over that. I can choose to go towards what is godly. I'm not required to follow my lusts anymore. Now, will I? Sometimes I will, sometimes I won't. The spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. But I'm not powerless. 
I have a choice. I can choose to look towards Christ and learn more about him and gain understanding and wisdom about him and slowly but surely over time watch my behavior change as I understand him and understand his power. That's what's supposed to happen. I can choose to do that or I can choose not. But my old life can't compel me to do those things of my old life. Sin doesn't hold that power over you anymore. I can do anything that I want to do because of grace, but I don't want to do anything because I've experienced the grace of my heavenly Father, grace greater than all my sin. Remember the hymn? So that's why I get to Smokey. Yeah, and the tracks of my tears. Seen this unnamed girl, he he loves broken up with him and she's moved on with her life and old Smokey's just hung. You know, he's putting on his happy face, cutting up at parties, telling a joke or two. But if you look closely, you'll see the smile on his face looks out of place. If you look closely, it's easy to trace the tracks of his tears. The point I want us to see is his yearning for that thing which he had, that he had to give up. He keeps looking back at her. He keeps wishing so much that he could love her and she could love him the way that they once did. He keeps looking back and he keeps being miserable because he can't have that thing that he used to have in his life. And Christ followers do that sometimes. We look back at those things that were in our lives and it was we learn more and more about our Savior and how he lived and what he's done for us and what he wants to do for us. We slowly but surely become conformed to the image of Jesus. We become more Christ-like. But there are things that we had or things that we did that we still find alluring. And you can't tell me it's not true. I know. We look back and those things still have that, that, that you know, what would have been? What would have been? And we'll want them again. And depending on what those things were, we might want them again and again and again and again and again. But remember now, we're dead to sin. It has no power over us unless we choose to follow it. And here's where I have the surprise. Verse 21 of chapter 6. I didn't read it because I wanted it to sneak up on us. It's very logical. People say that Christianity is not a thinking person's religion really help me with that because verse 21 causes us to think he says but what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed think about what he's saying think about what he is asking you here what fruit were you getting at that time from the things from which you are now ashamed are those things that you gave up in your former life, but they're still sometimes, they're fairly attractive to you. Exactly what did you get out of them? If Smokey had been honest with himself, and he talks about this girl that was just everything to him in the whole wide world, and he was honest with himself, what fruit did he get out of that relationship? He got a broken heart. That's the fruit that the relationship bore for him. 
Oh, she was pretty all right, all soft and round in all the right places. She had everything that he wanted. He wanted to love her, uh, wanted to be loved by her. She wanted somebody else. Broke his heart. Looking back at what he wished he could have, but if he was honest with himself, he would have stopped and said, what did I really get out of that? See where Paul's leading us? Those things that we look back at, those things that still look, uh, that still tempt us sometimes, what did they really give you? What did you really get out of those things? If you tasted that fruit again, what taste would you taste? Did they, would they, make you a better person if you had them now? Well, you know, Randy, everything that happened to me in my life has made me into the person I am now, and I like my life. I've said that myself. I like my life. Well, that's partially true. God did use those crazy things that you've done in your life to make you grow all right, but do you really think that you would have been worse off today if you hadn't done those things, things right now that you can think of them and you're ashamed of yourself right this minute, do you really think that you'd be a worse person today if you had always lived a godly life rather than having lived and done the ungodly things that you have done in your past? Do you really think, let me say that one more time, do you really think, do you really think that you'd be a worse person today if you had led a godly life up to this point, then you are now having done the things that you've done in your life that you're ashamed of. Are you crazy? Of course not. Grace is not a license to sin. Grace is a license to be free. Grace gives us the power to quit looking at those things that we've given up, to quit looking at what we think we might have to give up. Certainly we talk about sacrifice being a part of the Christian experience, but is it really sacrifice if you get back more than what you're going to give? Grace gives us the power to stand boldly without fear before Christ and have him make us into the man or woman that we've always dreamed that we would be. That person of character that we always dreamed we would be. That down deep in our souls we've always wanted to be. Paul says, do you continue in sin to prove how good God is? Are you crazy? How can I look into the eyes of the man who gave his life for me and ever want to do anything that would disappoint him? Have y'all ever watched Memorial Day? Have you ever watched Saving Private Ryan? And this is yes. You've watched Saving Private Ryan? I watched it once. I'll never watch it again. That was the most disturbing movie I think I've ever watched in my entire life. Do you remember the end of the movie? Private Ryan is standing by the grave of, what, the guy that died, the leader, wasn't it, the commander of the group? He turns to his wife and he says, was I a good man? Because these people died for me and he wanted to make sure that he lived a life worthy. 
of the lives that were buried in the ground for him. How can I look into the eyes of Jesus and ever want to do anything to disappoint him? How can I ever look into Jesus' eyes, my resurrected Lord, who has come back from the dead and tell him that my sins, my sins are just too powerful. I can't stand up against them. When he was powerful enough to break the chains of death. Somebody in this room is fighting a battle in their mind because they're afraid of what God might require you to give up if you trust him as your savior. And I'm telling you this morning, you don't have to give up anything. You really don't. You don't have to give up anything. But I promise you, if you trust him, you'll end up wanting to give some things up. You'll end up wanting to do things differently. Somebody's struggling because you're a Christ follower, and yet you know you aren't living a godly life, and you think that God's okay with it, but you know, that, know down deep in your heart that he's not. Yes, he forgives you, but as you look at him right now, which fruit is better? The fruit that he delivers or the fruit that you're striving after? You are dead to sin. You don't have to keep living the way that you're living. It is not a requirement. It is a choice when you are a Christ follower. What do you choose this morning? What do you choose? Tracks of My Tears is a pretty song. It's an ugly way to live. Choose Jesus. That's the better way. Let's pray. Speak to our hearts, Lord Jesus. Speak to our hearts, we pray. Help us to not ignore our lives and thereby end up ignoring you. But cause us to think this morning, am I indifferent to God? Am I ignoring you? Am I taking advantage of you? And call me, Father, to experience your grace. I pray for the folks sitting in this congregation this morning that each one would experience the freedom that comes in Jesus and would want so much to follow him. In Christ's name, amen.